0: Hey everyone, welcome back to Jupiter Extras. And I'm really excited because your friendly Ello Punk is on her own right now. I have no Wes, um, but don't worry, I do have a good friend with me today. Some of you may know him from his famous brunch with Brent. But for those that don't, Kristoff, thanks so much for joining us today. Would you mind kind of introducing yourself to everyone?
1: I currently work for a company called Linux Academy that was just acquired by A Cloud Guru back in December. Uh, So my role is is changing just a tad here as we're going into 2020, uh, but in a nutshell, I've really focused on partnerships and working with our marketing and sales teams from a more technical perspective. So offering some of that technical background and and support in some of those conversations uh, because I do have more of a background in development and working with AWS. So going forward, I'm really going to focus a little bit more on Azure and I think, Al, you have some ideas to kind of compare the two different platforms and talk a little bit more about some of the differences. So I think that's going to be interesting going forward of comparing some of my my AWS background and knowledge with some of the Azure platform quirks and, and how it works. So I'm really excited for that. And that's a little bit of, of some of my background there.
0: So the reason I asked you to come on is you were really instrumental in helping me get ready to get my first AWS certification, which was the Cloud Practitioner certification. And as I've talked about that, a lot of people have kind of reached out. And they're like, I don't even know how to get started with learning AWS or using it. So I thought maybe we could chat a little bit about today on some of our recommendations for people who are new to the cloud or AWS.
1: Absolutely. I think that's a really good starting point. And it's a question that, frankly, I get probably on a weekly basis at this point. And so I I give different responses depending on the individual that asks. And the reason for that is because not everybody learns the same way. The way that I learn may be completely different than the way that Elle learns or, or that you learn, whoever is listening. So I think it's important to kind of recognize that and start with, how do I typically like learning things? And then that can guide it a little bit forward. But What I would say is it usually falls into one or two or three different camps. The first camp is some people need some kind of end goal. Maybe that's getting a certification. Maybe that's building a specific project. They just need to see that finish line. And then they kind of reverse engineer it from there and figure out, okay, step one is to do this, step two, step three, et cetera, until I get to that end goal.
0: So let's break that down a little bit. Um, you know, you started off with they need something to get started with. And I think before we even get there, let's go with why are people choosing AWS as the platform for them to get started with? Um, Personally, I know I chose it because of how easy the platform was to use, the GUI, the graphical interface when it came to spinning up and breaking things down. But have you heard other reasons?
1: That's a really good reason, although some people might be intimidated by how many things you can do and how many things are available on the AWS platform. So I think it's kind of a catch-22 where there's just so much, is super overwhelming, but a lot of people do look at it as a, you know, there's a lot of training out there for it. There's a lot of different projects that you can start with or tutorials you can start with. And so whenever you have that kind of documentation and, and help, it makes it a lot easier for beginners or even advanced individuals to jump in and learn a platform inside and out. And so because it is one of the leaders of the of the cloud race, uh, especially compared to Google Cloud, but Azure is kind of starting to close some of that gap. It makes sense for people to start with that leader because number one, it is the leader, but number two, there's a lot of resources out there available, and it might be easier to get started as a result of that.
0: I think one of the things that I tell people when they're going to get started with AWS is, you know, once you are set up, don't worry about the big platform. Like, go to Light Cell. Because to me, that's kind of the training ground, kind of like AWS with training wheels for people to kind of get comfortable with the environment. Has that been your experience?
1: Definitely, and that kind of goes back to depending on who you are and how you learn, because if you don't really have an end goal in sight, but you just know you want to start learning AWS, starting with something like Lysail might be a really good starting point because you'll spin up Lysail, you'll you'll configure it a certain way and there's not a whole lot of configuration, so you can't really do it wrong And that's a good way to to get started, right? And then as you start that up, then you might realize, ooh, maybe I can do this, or maybe I can do that. Let me try it out and see if it works or if it doesn't work. And then if you do have a specific end goal in mind and you start breaking it up, you might realize LightSail is a really good starting point for step one and step two, but then maybe I need to have something a little bit more configurable. Maybe I need to start learning AWS EC2 after the fact, but by that point, you're already more familiar with AWS because you were practicing with something easier and simpler like Lightsail. So it, again, it's kind of that different approach. But I think either way, you might find some of those services that fit whatever you're trying to do. Start there, ignore the rest. And then as you go and you build that knowledge, you'll realize, oh, this service can work with that service and that service and that service. And this is how they kind of integrate. And then you you explode from there.
0: For those people who haven't used Light Cell, like, let me just kind of build it out for you what it looks like. So you go in and you just have kind of like a menu of options, like the web server of Chipotle. <laughs> and so you're like, okay, I want a web server and I want WordPress installed on it. So I don't really want to spend much money. I'm going to stay in the free tier. And then you click Build, and there you go. Like, it is building, and it's up. And you go in, and you mess around with it, and then you break something. And you could sit there troubleshooting it, or you could just be like, delete this, and let's build it again. It was just really easy to focus on the technology that I was wanting to learn and forget that I was using the cloud.
1: And it reminds me a lot of DigitalOcean, if you've ever worked with that or have any experience with it or if you've ever heard of it. And I think that's why they spun up a service like this, just because you have a service like uh, DigitalOcean that's a lot easier for developers to start with who may not have any infrastructure experience and don't care to get any. And then you have AWS that's has a, a, a tougher entry point level. And so they thought, hmm, let's go ahead and add something a little bit easier like LightSail that might be able to compete with DigitalOcean so that hopefully we get more of that market share. I think that's kind of the thought process behind that because, it, like you said, it does make it a lot easier.
0: When we kicked this off, I started talking about how you know I kind of got into AWS for my cloud practitioner certification. And I talked to a lot of people who have gotten it, I don't want to say after me, but along with me. How about that? Um, how important have you found certifications to be in the AWS sphere you know, for people who are looking to get jobs with AWS or partnered companies?
1: I think they're extremely important, but usually not for the reasons that people think they are. What I mean by that is that a lot of people get the certification to get the piece of paper or that recognition that you can then put on your resume and say, hey, I'm certified, hire me. And that's one part of it. Sure, that can work. Absolutely, I've seen it work. But that's not why I think it's important. I think it's important for the journey to getting the certification. If you look at at an organization like AWS and they come up with a certification program and they put certain requirements... Uh, and, and prerequisites or anything like that for certification, they expect that you have a certain level of experience. And so, what w- the approach that we really took, just to kind of talk about on the Linux Academy training side, is really training people to the expectation of that certification, going back to that journey to getting certified. Because to go from point, point A to point Z, and point Z being that certification exam, you have to get all the other steps through there, you have to get all that experience. And all of that experience is what the employers care about. Yes, they may care a little bit about the paper certification, but they're going to look at, do you have the experience that you needed to have in order to get that certification exam? And unfortunately, nowadays, a lot of people who get certified do not have that experience. So when they go to an interview or if they do get a job, the lack of experience shows immediately and they can't get the job or they can't excel in that position because they don't really know what they're doing. So there are ways of training for certification exams that do give you that experience. So then when you go on the job or on the the interview and on the job, you actually do know what you're talking about. And so that's the part that to me is critical and crucial. And that gives you a, a high likelihood of getting a high paying job.
0: That's kind of the focus is, yeah, certs are great. They'll get your foot in the door. But we can really tell, and by we, I mean, you know, the people you're working with can really tell when all you did was just kind of test dump, when you just memorize things. Uh, My favorite kind of story to tell around that was the day that I met the world's very first Java OpenStack developer. At the time, I was teaching OpenStack, and this guy comes up and he starts telling me about how he was now certified in Java development for OpenStack. He said it with such confidence that I'm texting people going, "When did we start doing Java in OpenStack?" If you don't know, OpenStack is completely written in Python, Well, you know, we go down the line and I'm asking this guy questions, and apparently he's just finished a boot camp with certifications on full stack development. It was one of the most embarrassing situations that I think I could have ever been a part of. so, the, to me, that that is just the crown jewel of why you need to focus on what you're learning and getting that hands-on experience instead of that piece of paper. I
1: wrote a blog post a while back that's called, We Hire Skilled Solutions Architects, Not Just Paper Certified Ones. And it's kind of a, a little bit of a controversial topic and, and blog post. And in that blog post, I talk about an experience we had interviewing for a solutions architect role. And I anonymized it. I changed some of the details because my, my, my point there is not to embarrass somebody. I, I don't want them to read that and think, oh, they're making fun of me. That's not at all what the point of that blog post is. The point is that when they came in for the interview, I think they had six or seven different AWS certifications, like an insane number of AWS certs. So we thought, awesome, this person's going to be great. And we start asking them questions. And as we're asking questions, they're answering the, the questions in a way that you can tell they had prepared for certifications by memorizing concepts. So the, the questions that we asked that you might see on a certification exam, he was able to pop in the, the answers so quickly and confidently, like you were saying. But then as soon as we tried to go more technical or in depth, or ask them to kind of break that down into more technical concepts, they fell completely flat and short. And it became immediately apparent that they had studied for certification exams by memorizing concepts, not by actually understanding how to do it in the console, or with the command line interface or scripting it or anything like that. And so again, like you were saying, it does become very obvious and you can usually easily separate the people that have tried to put that experience behind it versus the people that just tried to get the paper certification.
0: I've told this story before on Choose Linux, but I'm going to slip it in one more time. And that's talking to somebody who was extremely AWS certified. I mean, they had a few about AWS Snowmobile and how crazy the concept was. And as I'm talking to them, I'm realizing that they know what it is by definition, but the concept that it is a huge semi-truck that they just drive up to your location, it's a data center on wheels in my opinion, was completely foreign to them. And I'm sitting there going like, okay, so you read a book, but you didn't actually dig into it. And I can just imagine how badly that would look in an interview.
1: 100%. And I mean, even if you go through some of the documentation, you start reading some of those concepts and everything sounds amazing and rosy. And it's like, oh, I know how to do this. I'm just going to go do this, this, and that. But then when you actually jumped into the AWS platform and you start building it out, It's not what the theory said it was. It's different. Things break. Things don't work. You're like, but I read it. I did exactly like they said, and it still doesn't work. That's the experience you get by jumping in and getting hands-on, and that's what people typically will interview you on because as a hiring manager, I know some of those those points that I can ask and see, okay, did you actually use AWS Lambda? Because if you use AWS Lambda, you won't find these answers in the documentation or anywhere on the internet. You'll only find that if you've actually used Lambda. So again, going back to that, it, it, it can, it can make a tremendous difference if you literally just spend a few days, even a few hours jumping into Lambda, trying to build an application and realizing all these different things that is not written in the documentation. That that's what makes the difference.
0: I think that all leads back to the second point that you made, and that's that some people aren't looking for that certification. They're looking for a project to get into. But I know for me, that's the most difficult part because I have all of these options in front of me, and I don't even know where to get started. What have been some of your kind of just hands-on activities that you would recommend to people who are like, okay, I'm ready to take that first step?
1: I would say it also depends on the person, again, and the reason I say that is because what excites me may not excite you in terms of projects. One of the things that I always recommend as a default if they have no idea whatsoever, and this is going to sound boring, cliche, but hear me out on this. You can start with a to-do app. It's super easy to get started. There's so many tutorials out there. It teaches you how to just take that first step. And then once you build that to-do app and you have a little bit of that experience, maybe you thought of some other ideas along the way. So I would say like a, a basic to-do app checklist kind of thing, if you have virtually no idea what to do. Otherwise, I would sit down, grab a pencil and paper and write down some ideas that you've always wanted to build, but never really knew how to do. And then even if it sounds like a big project, just break it up to t- t- tiny, fractal little pieces. Don't eat an elephant all at once, you know, start with one area. And one of the things that I ended up doing years and years ago when I worked for a rental management company for a short while is we didn't have a good system for scheduling people and then kind of following up past that scheduling, right? If you go to to show a rental, did they were they interested? Did they put in an application? Just anything like that, logistics. We didn't have anything like that. We used the Excel spreadsheet or something ridiculous. And so I wanted to learn PHP and I wanted to learn MySQL and all these things. And I thought, you know what? Even if it's not the best solution, I'm going to build some kind of scheduling system for this company that I work at so that we can start using that going forward. And so that's what I did. I built this very basic application. You could schedule people, put in their information, link to things, and, and it showed it in a calendar format. Looking back now, I've got it on one of my hardware drives somewhere archived. I pulled it up a few years ago just to look at it. And it is so bad. I I mean, within minutes, I found multiple security vulnerabilities. Like this thing was not good at all. You would never put this on production. But that's not the point, right? The point is that I learned a lot of things along the way. Now I can just archive it somewhere, and I can take those lessons, and I can move forward and build something even more awesome. But it was also exciting to me because I was able to go to my boss at the time and say, "Hey, look, you know, I built this thing and." they didn't end up using it because it was pretty bad. But that could also help you get a promotion or get an opportunity that you wouldn't otherwise have because they see that initiative. And as a manager, they recognize, wow, you know, Christoph is really interested in, in stretching their skills into doing something else. Let's give them more opportunity. And then that could lead to promotion and so on and so forth. So think about it that way. That's helped me tremendously in the past.
0: I think you hit the nail on the head there, and that's part of learning AWS or any other platform is the breaking portion of it and the, oh, God, I can't believe I did it that way. <laughs> that moment is when you realize that you've grown. Like, you realize that you understand this so much more than when you started out. And I know during certain interviews for OpenStack positions, it, they would turn into what we called fail stack. And it's where you told me all of the ways that you did it wrong and what you learned. And to me, that would make you more hireable because I know you're not going to give up. I know you've tried this on your own. And I can see the way that you grow and the way that your mind thinks. So I think that's really important when learning AWS is to know, hey, guys, you're going to make a mistake. Like, you're going to build the wrong thing. You might accidentally leave a server on longer than you plan to and hike your AWS bill up a bit. (laughs) Just a little bit. But you're not going to do that again. Like, those are the learning moments that I think a lot of employers and, I don't know, just people in general are looking for.
1: And something that you're really good at doing, L two, and I think a lot of people can learn from this, is sharing some of those failures publicly on Twitter. Because I'll go on your Twitter feed and you'll say wow, you know, I'm locked into my Linux box. I'm, I must have done this wrong. Or just the funniest stuff, at least in retrospect, it's funny. And, and for the, the spectators, it's funny, but I'm sure you're pulling your hair out more than once, just super frustrated with it. And you're like, this thing's terrible. I hate this. I never want to use this again because of X, Y, Z. But people learn from that. And also you're showing that you're legitimately using it, using that stuff. So then if, again, if you, like you were saying, if you go to an interview and you say, hey, I tried se- setting this up and you can follow my failures of setting it up on Twitter. As a hiring manager, I could look at that and one, I'll be entertained by it. But number two, I'll see she's not joking. She legitimately used this. She learned how to use it by failing and I love that. That's a great hiring point, you know?
0: So one of the final things I wanna discuss because I'm gonna be honest, sometimes it is a barrier to entry and that's the cost associated with AWS. Um, You know, I I made light of leaving a server up and oops, yeah, my bill was really high. So I think one of the pieces of advice I would give to people is build small first. Like make sure that you're actually tapping out your resources before you start building up when you're just learning a project. You know, stick to the free tier that it's being offered to you before you start kind of putting your credit card on the line. Um, Do you have any other tips on how to learn AWS on a budget level? So the
1: good news is that these platforms like AWS, for example, they have a lot of documentation around pricing. And I know it can be extremely intimidating when you're just first getting started, but I'd say maybe spend half an hour to an hour researching the resources that you're going to need for whatever project you're working on, and then look in the documentation at what the pricing looks like for those resources, and then you can budget from there. So if if you can only spend about $20 a month, then you can backtrack from there and say, the resources I need for this project are going to cost X amount per hour or per request or whatever it is. And then you can see whether that fits your budget or not. And then you can decide if you want to use other resources to practice something else if you have that room in the budget. And then the other thing I'll say too is these platforms have a lot of monitoring and alerts around billing and things like that. So You can actually jump into the console before you get started with any project and you can set up some billing alarms that will even warn you as you approach your budget. So if you if we go back to that $20 per month budget and you want to get an alarm at $15, that way you can go in and you can turn off those resources before it gets to $20. You can absolutely do that. And they'll send you an email or even an SMS notification that says, hey, just so you know, your billing is approaching $15 you may want to go in and, and turn things off. So there are a lot of ways to protect yourself against getting that, that huge surprise bill at the end of the month uh, because you can set up those alarms and you can kind of backtrack and do the math. That way, if you even if you're right on the math, but you forget to turn something off or it's more than you expected, again, you've got that, that backup protection that sends you that notification and says, hey, go in and turn it off.
0: You are actually one of the, the key people who I guess told me a little hack, and that is, If you make a mistake, it's a genuine mistake, you're no longer using the server, you just forgot to turn it off. Sometimes you can reach out to AWS customer support and kind of ask for their assistance on maybe correcting your billing, right?
1: Exactly, so that's, I'm glad you brought that up because even if you forget to turn on the alarms or you miss the notifications or who knows what else, right? Life happens. And you go in and you have, let's just exaggerate and say a $1,000 bill after that month, I don't wanna pay $1,000 for AWS resources I didn't use. That's insane. So you can go in and you can open a support ticket and they can look at your utilization and they can see, you know, Kristoff didn't use the resources. So let's go ahead and give him a credit for that. He didn't mean to leave that on, but if you did have something running, let's say you're Bitcoin mining or something crazy like that, obviously they're not going to refund you. So, you know, use that as you will. Uh, Again, don't be afraid to experiment I know budget is important for a lot of people and obviously that's a good reason why, but just try to experiment to the best that you can and don't worry too much about the cost because typically there are a lot of protections and you can always go back and say, hey, I made a mistake. Please help me out here.
0: I'm actually not above a little bit of self-promotion and you know one thing that we've kind of skirted around is the fact that Linux Academy and a Cloud Guru do do AWS training and you know I was a student long before I worked here and my favorite part was actually the ability to have you know hands-on labs where I could spin things up and they kind of auto-timer down for me and none of that cost anything so Shameless plug there, but I really do think that even just jumping in for our free week could be beneficial way for some people to start.
1: That's a great point, because also some of those labs will include resources that are not in the free tier. So even if you started an AWS account that has that 12 month free tier, you may not be able to practice at the same level or use the same resources or leave them running for as long. Whereas if you go in a Linux Academy and a Cloud Guru hands-on lab, you can spin that up and you won't get billed for the resources you use. So that's one of the main benefits of being able to have access to to those real hands-on lab environments.
0: I guess in the end, what we're really telling people here is don't focus so much about memorization. Don't focus so much about just knowing what things are. If you want to learn AWS, jump in and get your hands dirty.
1: That's a critical part of it. And that's why you also have to make sure you have your budget set aside for it. But always, and I think this is a, a Warren Buffett quote, and I won't quote it verbatim, but it's something along the lines of, the best investment you can possibly make is in yourself. So do try to set aside some of the budget that is investing in your own learning, because it's my humble opinion that that will pay huge dividends in the future instead of, like you said, just memorizing concepts. Anybody can do that if you put enough effort into it, but not everybody can set a t- aside some time to practice and actually use the stuff hands-on. And that's what set- separates the candidates apart when we sit at that interview table and see whether they actually have that experience or not.
0: I think that is the perfect place to wrap this up. So thank you so much, Christoph, for making the time and coming and talking about AWS with us.
1: Thanks for having me. I love talking about the cloud, so anytime.
0: If you guys have any further questions, you can find links to everything that we talked about at extras.show.